Welcome to Spiritual Psychology. My name's Renee LaVallee McKenna, and I bring my 30 plus years as a recovering addict and ex-crazy person turned therapist and shamanic healer to bring you snackable teachings on spirituality, psychology, and all things personal growth. And today I want to talk about overcoming fear. I've heard it said that there are two main forces in the universe, love and fear. This may seem like a gross oversimplification of the complexity of life, but there's some truth to it. In this context, we're talking about love with a capital L in its largest definition, which is way beyond romance, sex, and how you feel about your best friend or your dog. Love as a universal force or current is the infinitely creative generative principle that I call the life force. And the life force, the energy of love, the hand of God, is what makes the grass grow. The earth revolve around the sun. It's the energy that whirls the electrons, protons, and neutrons in every atom in the material world. It is the essence of life, makes our heart beat, our cells metabolize. And when we intentionally connect with or experience the love or the life force of the universe, It draws us toward joy and fulfillment. Love in this context is absolutely a verb, and it is the impetus for the evolutionary force that's expanding the universe and calling us to grow in every moment. And like I mentioned, one of the primary qualities of universal love is creativity. And true creativity, beyond making interesting art or beautiful music, is to actually form something new that has never existed before. For me, it's the intelligence behind evolution. I use this metaphor a lot because it's so powerful for me. This property of creativity is what took two hydrogen atoms and an oxygen atom, and when it brought them together, it didn't create hydro-oxygen. It created something completely different that we know as water. Now, who thought of that? And this is the principle of emergence. Something completely new and unseen before emerges out of the attraction, one could even say the desire, the connection of different things. It's like a kaleidoscope, that child's toy that has glass or plastic shapes in it, and you turn it around and the shapes keep coming together, making infinitely different patterns. And perhaps it's a stretch, but one could say the energy that drew the hydrogen and oxygen together, their desire to connect with each other, could be seen as this universal love force or universal life force. And this is the source of our own deepest desires, dreams, and aspirations. And our true fulfillment and satisfaction, our sense of wholeness and completion in life is found from pursuing and manifesting the deepest, perhaps even craziest, most interesting or outlandish desires of our own heart. So love calls us outside of our comfort zone to create something new, which means going into the unknown, leaving the perceived safety of the experience we have now and creating something which has not existed before. And this brings us right to the edge of fear. And fear, as my friend Constance likes to say, Fear stands for future events already ruined. I love acronyms. My other two favorite acronyms for fear are fuck everything and run, 
or face everything and rejoice. And this is the essence of our free will as humans. Am I driven by love or am I driven by fear? And all of the decisions that we make in our life are driven by one or another, if you really boil it down. And the thousand million little choices that we make in our life based on fear or based on love determine the quality of our life circumstances and our experience. I've been plagued by fear much of my life. And again, if I look at it through this perspective, most of my personal growth work and healing has been about dissolving fear and opening to love and the universal life force through people through experiences, through nature and spiritual practice, and through walking forward to pursue my own deepest desires and the support of my authentic self in the world. So I have intimate knowledge of how much energy, support, courage, and determination it takes to face and walk through our fears. And I also know the terrible consequences of being overwhelmed and debilitated by those fears. I'm an only child of emotionally unavailable, pretty undeveloped parents. Everything looked fine on the outside. Dad worked, mom stayed home, but I never bonded with my mother. And my father was on the autism spectrum. And though he was really sweet, he was emotionally equivalent of about an eight-year-old boy. Both of my parents are dead now, but my mother liked to tell the story of our first emotional interaction when I was two years old and she was having her own anxiety attack and crying at the table. And I came over and patted her and said, oh, mommy, it'll be okay. And she just thought that was great that I was so emotionally supportive to her at age two. And that was my role with my mother until about the age of nine. I think I hoped if I loved her enough that she would actually return some love to me, but she didn't have anything to give. And I figured out very early, because there were no other grown-ups that I was bonded with, that I was on my own in the world. So I started to have anxiety probably around the age of four. I might have had it before, but that's my memory of it. And that anxiety was terrible. Oh, every day before going to school, walking down the street if I would see people. I did have some good friends that lived next door, Chrissy and Robin. And I always felt really great when I was with them. And most of my childhood memories are time spent at their house because my own house felt like a vacuum. Nothing was happening there. It was like tumbleweeds blowing through the living room. (laughs) I hated it. I hated being a kid. I hated being afraid. And I just had chronic fear and anxiety until the age of 12 when I discovered drugs and alcohol, thank God. And I could medicate my existential angst. And I was a wild and crazy teenager, boys and crime and drugs and fast cars, rock and roll. Booze and drugs took away all my fear, and I was completely uninhibited. I had a job when I was 15, and my mother would give me $2 to take the bus. I'm going to date myself. I would buy a pack of cigarettes for 75 cents, a Diet Coke for 25 cents, and I would buy a joint for a dollar, and then I would hitchhike to work by myself. My daughter's 15. It's a really different experience for her. But unfortunately, medicating fear in that way is like taking morphine for cancer and not doing any treatment because I was spiritually, mentally, and emotionally very ill. And eventually that morphed into the physical illness of addiction and I crashed and burned in my early 20s. And not surprisingly, all that existential fear came crashing back like a tidal wave. Unmedicated, I was pretty non-functional. 
I had almost no healthy life skills. And my mother, who was also a very frightened person, believed that love was the same as comfort. And so I learned early that when something felt scary or hard, it was best to avoid it. So when going to school caused me anxiety, she let me stay home. I could just tell her, I don't feel good, which was true because I had a pit in my stomach. I missed so many days of school my senior year, I almost didn't graduate. Not because of my grades, but because of my attendance. And although love on the human level certainly can include kindness and comfort, deep connection and warmth, human love from my perspective today is rooted in supporting your loved one's growth on a soul level. And this frequently requires encouraging or pressing them to move into the unknown, to pursue and create and risk the expression of their own authentic self in the world and pursue their highest good. And sometimes that's fun and easy, and sometimes it's ridiculously hard. And so my mother's way of loving me, which was primarily based on keeping me safe and comfortable, actually clipped my wings and left me completely unprepared for life as an adult and emotionally and spiritually underdeveloped. I was a slave to fear. I had a client this week really stuck in tragedy. And I see people with all kinds of issues from sexual abuse, coming out of prison, extreme neglect and abandonment. And the tragedy of this client is that he's stuck in a job that he hates. And part of the reason this feels like such a tragedy to me is that we live in a culture that has normalized spending most of our waking hours doing things that feel meaningless, soul-depleting, or that we actually actively dislike. And he feels completely trapped working 15 hours a day in a place where he feels unappreciated, disconnected from his coworkers, producing things that feel meaningless to him. And his work takes up so much time, he doesn't even have time to do anything else. And he stays there because of material security. It pays the rent. It gives him health insurance. And he's depressed and miserable and hopeless. And we talked for a long time about different ideas and dreams he has and things he might like to do. Become a guitar teacher. Do stand-up comedy. Create video games. We came up with a list of 10 ideas. And a wall of fear blocks him making progress to any one of them. He's risk-averse. There's no guarantees. He would need to move out of his comfort zone into the unknown. And it is unknown because these things have yet to be created. They don't exist yet. And it became clear that the real issue is not about discovering what his heart's desire is. The real issue is that he is a slave to fear. Fear of what other people would think. Fear of breaking with the family tradition of working a job that one hates because it runs throughout his family. Because that's what you do, right? You work a job you hate, and then you retire, and then you die. No, thank you. And we began talking about discomfort, his fear of being homeless, of not having health insurance. And he's completely discounting or normalizing the tremendous daily suffering and depression that he's in. It's very interesting when we look at the dynamic relationship between love or the life force and fear. Fear is a soul-sucking, life-force-killing energy. And the life force or love correspondingly dissolves fear. 
So I told my client, you know, there is free medical care available in almost every city. And if you lose your apartment, there's a thing called van life where people live in their van, like a tiny house. And I have a young man in my life right now who's about to graduate from high school who wants to spend next year living outside, voluntarily homeless. He said, I don't really want to get on this conveyor belt of mainstream American life. Good for him. Much of my adult life has been spent gathering the resources, developing the skills, and learning to use the tools to walk through fear. So the bad news is the only way out is through, and the good news is fear is a boogeyman. There is an almost comical dynamic that the things that I'm afraid of are probably the least likely things to happen. If I authentically show up and do my best, things always turn out differently than I could imagine, usually much better. And that's that creative, generative, emergent property of love that I've been talking about. The universe has our back, but we have to show up. My next great career is not going to come knocking at my door asking me to apply. But very much like working out, when we can do difficult things, it makes us stronger. And those things that were once difficult become normalized and no longer difficult. When I was asked to be lead of Women's March San Francisco in 2016, all the other Women's March leads developed a team. And on the first phone call, they said, we're going to put things on a Google Drive. And I said, what's a Google Drive? Because I'd mostly been a mother and a therapist for 13 years. And I had to go outside my comfort zone and start learning new tools. And over the last four years, I've learned so many new tools that I don't even think about it anymore. I had to learn how to do the audio for this podcast. This month, I'm learning to upload my audio book to Audible. And I remember the first six months I was messing around with Google, I was chronically locked out, a technical nightmare. I had to ask for tons of help. It was frustrating. I felt stupid. It was very humbling. But whatever the challenge is, if we keep showing up, things will change. We will change. We'll grow and improve and new things will happen. So there's an old parable about the man with two dogs. So the man has two dogs that fight all the time. And one of the dogs is love, and the other one is named fear. And a friend is visiting the man, and he hears the dogs fighting in the backyard. And he says to the dog owner, which one wins the fight? And the man says, the dog that wins the fight is the one that I feed the most. Are you feeding love and the life force in your life? Or are you feeding fear? And you can ask yourself that simple question in any choice you make. And those choices will determine the quality and the circumstances of your life experience. Over time, I have, for the most part, outgrown fear. And the more I surrender and align myself with the life force and with love that want to flow through me, the less fear I have. I'll leave you with my favorite prayer on fear, and I still use it today. Please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. This is the principle of transmutation, taking the energy of fear and directing it in positive, constructive action. Please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. You know, I used to ride dirt bikes and one of the first times I was riding, I crashed. And I said to the guy who was teaching me, um, how do I not crash? <laughs> and he said, Look where you want to go, because the bike's going to go where you're looking. And if you look at the tree, you're going to hit the tree. And if you look at the trail, you're going to stay on the trail. So are you looking at fear? 
or are you looking at love? And we can get back on the bike at any time and make a new decision. Because whether we believe it or not, we really do create our own reality. If you like this podcast, consider giving five stars and a good review or share it with a friend. You can find my book, workbook, and guided audio series, Allies and Demons, Working with Spirit for Power and Healing on Amazon. And if you're interested in setting up a free 30-minute consultation to see if spiritual psychology might be helpful in your life, shoot me an email, info at reneemckenna.com. Blessings on your path until we meet again. This is Renee LaValle McKenna for Spiritual Psychology.